Good morning. 20 years, that's like 140 snow years. <laughs> when Pam and I received the call to consider coming to Erie, Pennsylvania, we were living right outside Portland, Oregon, and to be honest with you, we had to look up on a map to see where Erie was. We said, a lake, that's good. And then somebody said, have you heard about lake effect? So we looked that up and said, how bad could that be? When we arrived here the first week, we signed papers for a house. And as we were leaving the attorney's office, Pam turned to our realtor and said to her, well, let's celebrate. Let's go have a latte. And she looked at us and she said, latte? She said, this is not latte country. This is beer and bowling. <laughs> Which I'm not very good at either one. And then our first Ash Wednesday, because understand that we did not come from a Catholic community in Oregon. And our first Ash Wednesday, twice Pam tried to remove the dirt off someone's forehead. So we didn't know. So there's a lot we didn't know. A lot we had to learn about Erie. We had a lot we had to learn about the culture. A lot we had to learn about you. But we have been learning that and have fallen in love with this community, and especially this community of faith. It actually is 20 years ago, the first Sunday in March, that we arrived. And so here we are. And it's been, it's, been a, it, it's, been, it's been great. In fact, let me just give you a couple snapshots. As I was thinking about it this week, as I'm, I'm thinking through the, and I'm seeing images in my mind of, of marriages and baby dedications and even walking people through the, the grief of, of funerals. And then I cannot tell you how many innumerable high school graduation picnics I've been to. And you have been so good to us. You embraced us when we came. You invited us to be part of your family. And you helped us. You helped us raise our kids, even through their tough moments. As we meshed our lives together, uh, we built on the heritage that had gone before us and the wonderful leadership. It was within the first couple of months I received a letter from a lady. I know her intention was really good. What she wanted to say to me was, there have been some great leaders there, but you need to be yourself. And so I read this to the congregation after I received it. For, for, she said this. She said, Pastor Bronner, the, the previous pastor, was handsome and so articulate. And it's okay that you're not like him. Our mantra for, for all these years has been that the kingdom of God is the kingdom of right relationships, and that as God has led us through the changes over these 20 years, that is the focus that no matter what we face, our endeavor is that we love each other as Jesus loves us. And as time progressed, we realized that God was speaking to us and saying, not only should you have an impact, which we, we, the church has done such a great job of impacting internationally, we felt like God was saying, I want you to start really focusing on the city. And so we began to impact the city. And, and as a result of that, we, we began to continue to expand out our academy so that it reached into 
all grades and, and into, into high school, and what an incredible job they have done. We, we developed a, a place where kids could come, and if you've ever been down a hallway, as you see, it's, it's created for children to, to really have fun as they learn about Jesus. We have probably the, the largest indoor playground in the region, just for those kids. And then we developed a camp for for neglected and abused children. And, and, the, and the good news is that not only do we have that, but this morning as a result of, of our leadership here in, in a community close by, this morning they're meeting with leadership from, from Royal Family Kids Camp to develop a second camp in the region. And so that continues to grow. We felt like we really needed to get a presence on campuses here because there's so many wonderful campuses and, and colleges and universities so that, that we could could give them opportunity to discuss who Jesus is in their own setting. And so Joel and Nicole Schreiber came to be part of us, and, and we joined with them, and they began to impact the, the universities, and especially right now, into Edinburgh University. And as a result of what they did, they planted a seed of people that grew now into what we call eerie young adults. And it's having a tremendous impact for the young adults of this region. And just this last week, they've begun the stages of experimenting to see not only will we have an eerie young adults that's up here at Summit, but now eerie young adults metro as they met together for the first time at a church to right on the edge of the, of the Gannon University campus. And so it continues to expand. We, we, we planted a church with Scott and Stephanie that would be really created for those who have, have felt disappointed and burned by churches and they could come into a, into a setting that would be safe for them. And so Sparrow Fellowship was planted and then we, we also recognized that, that we wanted a safe place and a, and a place that would be non-religious but but very safe for the youth of this community. And so we all gathered together and pooled our resources and created the Summit Building, which has been a tremendous, in tremendous usage, and, and we are so thankful for that. And then in these recent years, we believe that God has made very clear to us that we need to go back to our roots, which is basically what Jesus said, which is discipleship. That, that we need to define and demonstrate what it is to follow Jesus and walk that together in a journey that goes outside programs and outside the walls of buildings. And now we are a community as never before in America, and, and we are this, that kind of community where we are worshiping together with four generations. That the, the traditionalists, the, the, the people that worked so hard in World War II, and then the baby boomers, and then the X generation, and then the millennials, and even the people in the bridges between those, we've gathered together, and, and our goal, because it, it is the kingdom of right relationships, is to value each other by continuing to listen to each other and walk this journey together. And Pam and I are so grateful that you've allowed us to walk this journey with you and that you have, have put trust in our leadership. And, and I've got to thank you for, for allowing me to grow in my leadership because I've made mistakes. I have. In fact, let me just tell you about one recent mistake I made. I had gone to the funeral home here locally for a visitation and I was standing at the casket talking to the widow, the, the wife of the man who was deceased, and we were talking about a wonderful life that he lived. And so we were talking about that, and then obviously we began talking about what's pressing in Erie, which is this, this horrific, horrific cold and the polar vortex and the snow, the snow and how freezing it's been. And in that context, I just wanted to reassure her that he's in the right place and so on. And so I, t I turned to her and I said, well, at least he's in a place that is a lot warmer.
I think she was in shock anyhow, so I think it went by, and I just changed the subject really quick. Thank you for allowing us to be with you and, and to have your love and, and, and your, your grace and mercy toward us. And so what I have just done with you, Paul the Apostle did in the first century with the church in Corinth is he gave them snapshots of, of where they had been. And you're going to read about it this week in The Essential Jesus. And if you don't have that book, stop by the media desk and get it because we're in readings 81 through 85 and you're going to read about it this week. And so Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me, that Christ died for our sins just as the Scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day just as the Scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve, and after that he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, and most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles, and last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him, for I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. Paul says, okay, I'm going to tell you this is how we got here. This, this is how this community came into existence. This is how, who are who we are in God's long story, and this is what keeps us going. There is a new world launched by Jesus' resurrection. It is vital for us as followers of Jesus, especially in this, this, this world we live in right now and, and the uncertainty of what is happening around us, for us to understand the resurrection, because the resurrection is the baseline of everything we believe. Because without it, we have nothing. Without it, we have no motivation to be anything different than what our pleasures want, what our own desires want. So I heard two conversations this week at a fitness center, one right after the other. Two guys were talking to each other, two med students, and, and I just caught part of the conversation, and, and then one said to the other, yeah, dude, you wouldn't believe it. We each had two girls each. And we wrote down what we wanted them to do, and whatever we wanted them to do, they did it. It was epic. And then right after that, I heard another med student talking to a priest. And he must have been talking about the Lenten season because he said, so yeah, so then you guys do the, uh, the, the, the confession thing, and I, I think you really call it now repentance. And the priest said, yes. And he said, have you done it? And the guy looked at him shocked and said, no, not yet. And then the priest said to him, well, enjoy your youth. We live either by our base desires or our baseline resurrection belief. The base desires that we have are rooted deep down inside the old prevailing culture that is driven by flesh desires. The resurrection baseline is rooted into a new preeminent culture that, that, is, that is driven by a spirit desire. And so you've got this flesh desire and you've got this spirit desire and they battle each other and which one will you follow? And, and part of, part of the, the, the consideration has to be this. If I'm looking at the spirit desire and I'm looking at the churchy thing, I'm looking at all the things I cannot do, and what if I give up all those things and that's what life is about, and then I find out this Jesus thing is not real, and if it's not real, then I have just wasted time on earth because the, the, the fleshy thing says, 
Eat, drink, and be merry, and tomorrow you die. The spirit thing says, no, there's something way beyond this, so you got to trust Jesus because he's going to get you there. So, so which, of, which of those two do you follow? Because you really can't blend them together. So Jesus said, let me make this easy for you. If I die and rise again, it validates what I've told you before, so I've told you the truth. If I rise again, I told you the truth, and which he did. And he said, here's the truth. That my resurrection validates my death, that I didn't die because it was a mistake, and I didn't die because it was some man-made scheme. I died because it was part of the plan. That when I died, I took with me your need to be driven by your flesh your human desires, your pleasures. I've taken that and I, I took it and I, and I buried it with me so that all the things and all the messes that you have created as a result of your own selfish desires, I will clean up. In addition to that, I will give you a new life right now that the Father will provide because not only have I cleaned up your messes, I have forgiven you for your sins for I paid for that. And now you have this new life that you can live. See, that is the gospel that the apostles were preaching. When you hear the word gospel, that's it. I appreciate the words of N.T. Wright who describes it this way. Christianity, you see, isn't a set of ideas. It isn't a path to spirituality. It isn't a rule of life. It isn't a political agenda. It includes and indeed gives energy to all those things, but at its very heart, it is something different. It is good news about an event which has happened in the world, an event because of which the world can never be the same again, and those who believe it and live by it will, thank God, never be the same again either. Resurrection disrupts the present culture. It declares that there is something superior to our desires. In fact, what it says is that our desires must now submit to this thing must submit to this resurrection power because God has a better plan. So when you're struggling with whether or not you should continue in your lifestyle of, of hooking up on the weekends, Paul says, take that and submit that to the resurrection of power of God because he has a better plan for you. When, when you're, you're tempted to, to just continue to, to work and be a workaholic, and you saw the video that is going to deal with that, if you continue to be a workaholic and your family's suffering, he says, take that and submit that to the resurrection power of Jesus because he has a better plan. When you think that your marriage is stale and the guy at work is hitting on you and you really like it, and you say, my husband's not taking care of me, what you should do is take that and you should submit that to the resurrection power of Jesus because he has a better plan. And, and you say, I've got this addiction, but it's just going to be really difficult to get free of that, and it's going to have to go through these stages and meet with these people and go through counseling and maybe feel some shame in the process. I don't think I can do that. I want you to submit that to the resurrection power of Jesus because he has a better plan. He says, I'm going to remove the need to be driven by those things, and I'm going to clean up your mess. So last week... Pam yelled for me. She'd been doing some laundry. She yelled, come in here quick. And we went in, and the, and the washing machine, evidently, was something in it did not decide that the water needed to be turned off, and the water just flowing out of the tub, down on the floor, and into the kitchen, under the wall, into the kitchen, and into our pantry. So we turned that off and, and drained the tub, and then we looked at each other and said, well, we've got to clean it up. We made the mess. We've got to clean up the mess. So we did. Resurrection is God appointing Jesus to clean up the mess. That's what resurrection is. 
And why should Jesus have to do that? Because a human made the mess, and therefore a human has to clean up the mess. And so Paul says this, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. And just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order to the resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. After that, the end will come, and when he will turn the kingdom over to God, the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power, for Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet, and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. For the scriptures say, God has put all things under his authority. Of course, when he says all things under his authority, that does not include God himself, who gave Christ his authority. Then when all things are under his authority, the Son will put himself under God's authority so that God who gave his Son authority over all things will be utterly supreme over everything, everywhere. So last Thursday I was reading an article and and, and describing a movie that just came out. It's called The Lazarus Effect. It's about a doctor who is electrocuted and dies and her team then applies a resurrection drug and she's brought back to life. But as a result of that, whatever kept evil within her from coming out is now removed, and she becomes extremely evil. The director, David Gelb, says this, there is a sense that we are on the verge of understanding everything, and death is like the final frontier we are trying to conquer. So that he knows and that you know, the Lazarus effect was felt 2,000 years ago. And there is already a human who understands everything, who has already conquered death. And the evil did not spring forth out of that, but instead evil was conquered because of it. See, resurrection is hard for us to believe. It's hard for us to believe that a man can die and rise again, and that a bunch of people are going to die and rise again. It's tough for us. Even Peter, Paul, and, 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 and the disciples and the apostles had difficulty believing this because they believed that at the end, everybody who belonged to God would be raised, but not somebody halfway through history, one man. It was impossible, but it's part of God's order. It's the, it's the order of life, and it's the order of events. So the order of events went this way. Verse 25, we just read that Jesus, after being resurrected, has become Lord of the world and that he is presently a ruling king and that the greatest weapon used to try to usurp his authority, death, has now been captured. Verse 26 tells us then that the defeat of all his enemies, now catch this, the defeat of all God's enemies is in the process. The defeat is in the process. And one day the final enemy, which is death, will be annihilated. Verse 27. And then we get, or verse 26, and then there will be no more, 27, there will be no more anti-God activity for God will be utterly supreme over everything, everywhere. And then we get to see the final order. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every spirit, everything over the earth, on the earth and under the earth, everything will say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus then will take himself and place him under the Father, under his authority. If the Father is the one from whom 
everything comes, and the sun is the one through whom it comes. And the sun comes, cleans up the mess, and puts the cosmos in its proper order. Because death is the unmaking of God's creation, resurrection is the remaking of his creation. And that is the hope that we have. That is why some believers in Jesus can be captured by ISIS and paraded before the world in a video and be beheaded there. And while they are dying, they say that you can hear those being killed crying out, Jesus is Lord. Because that is the order that God has established. And if God has established that order, and the order is that Jesus is Lord over everything, and that he says death will not be the final word because I will take you through death, it's what gives us hope and gave those men hope, and it is what we place our hope in even today. You say, well, that's great for for the end, but what about right now? What about me now in this body? Last year, my mom and my son were on a road trip together, and they're heading from Missouri to Boulder, Colorado, and about two hours out of Boulder, Colorado, her Toyota just died. So they had to be towed for two hours into Boulder, and the next day, the, the dealership called and said, we get, we've got to, we're going to charge you 300 bucks. We need to go in and clean out the gas tank and the gas lines and everything there because you put the wrong gas in the car. When you filled up last, you put in too much ethanol. And it won't run on that. What we take in determines how far we get. I meet too many people trying to follow Jesus who are taking in the wrong fuel. And then they run out of energy. I really try not to lose my temper, but it just never seems to work. I just keep losing it. I, I, I don't want to watch porn, but just, just when I'm alone or things get bad, I just revert back to it and I go back to that spot. I, I really do want to get up in the mornings and I do want to just talk to Jesus, but I'm just so tired and it just never works. I'm really trying not to party that much on the weekends anymore, but just when my friends call, I just give in and there I go. What we take in determines how far we get. So Paul says, look, if you you take a seed and you put it in the ground, the seed must die first, but what grows up is not the seed, but the plant grows up. And with that in mind, he says this. It is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to life forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they'll be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. The scriptures tell us the first man, Adam, became a living person. But the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. What comes first is the natural body, then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like the earthly man, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. See, we get a new body. How many want a new body? Boy, do I want a new body. I can show God a picture of the body I want. <laughs> you know what that, that new body's going to run on? You know what it is? He said, what it's going to run on is life-giving spirit of God. That's what it runs on. You say, well, that's just great, but, but I don't have that body. 
I have this, this normal human body that runs off of natural stuff. It just runs off of Krispy Kremes and one night stands. That's what I get. And now I'm broken, I'm weak, I'm dying. Okay, so let me, just, let me just make this clear. Here's how the resurrection should be played out for us this week. Stay rooted in the truth of the resurrection and do whatever you're supposed to do. And I'll explain that a little bit further in just a moment. That life spirit that fuels the new body, according to Paul, is already having an effect even on this natural body. So Paul, talking to the church in Rome, says this, but for you who welcome him in whom he dwells, talking about Jesus, even though you still experience all the limitations of sin, how many of you ever deal with sin? This week. Yeah. You yourself experience life on God's terms. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from the dead life. With the spirit living in you, your body will be alive as Christ. See, the spirit, that that life-giving spirit is already working in you right now. How many of you have put your faith in Jesus and follow him? Right, so here's the deal. That life-giving spirit that will fuel your new body at the end of time is already fueling you in your natural body right now. He is giving you abilities, desires, and disciplines that you didn't have before. In fact, what we're going to be, we can start being right now even in this body. I see too many people say, well, Jesus is coming soon, and that'll be a good thing, and whenever he comes, it'll all be okay, because this is the life I'm living right now, and and I'm just going to put up with this thing and just be this way until Jesus comes, and then I'll be changed. And he wants you to know that the thing that's changing this is already here changing you now. It's happening. How do I do do that? How How do I start living that way now? Paul said, you do that, you are transformed by the renewing of your mind. You've got to start thinking different and looking different, seeing different, and it starts this way. It begins by meditating on who you are in Jesus. That's why we've been reading this essential Jesus. If you would just take those hundred readings and you would just meditate on them, and that word meditate just means to chew the cud. It means just think about it, think about it, think about it, because the mind has been created. They used to use this, this term called psycho-cybernetics, which means if you think about something long enough, your mind will give a, make a way for you to become that thing. It, 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 on, on the negative side, if you think about having an affair long enough, you'll get there. So if you meditate on who you are in Jesus, the power he's given you, the peace he's promised you, the removal of fear, dealing with the brokenness that you had growing up in the family that, you, that you've had and the DNA you carry and the, and the inclinations that you have. If you meditate long enough on who he has transformed you to be, to change you to be, you think about it long enough, it will begin to change you inside because it's God's truth. That's why, that's why I tell you that it's really important for you to gather with the believers on a regular basis more than once a month because if you want to be transformed, once a month here for an hour and a half is not going to get you there. So as you are meditating on it, not only do you meditate on it, you begin to declare it. 
so that you hear yourself and the spiritual forces that want you to believe the lies they've been telling you. I told somebody this week, I said, you gotta quit believing the lies that you're hearing in your head that you've heard so long. You've got to declare those are wrong and here's what God says. And so you take this truth and you begin to declare it and you say, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm an overconqueror. Here's what the scripture said. In Jesus, I, I got all things. And you start down through those promises and you declare, this is what Jesus said, I am, and I declare this for my life. Most of us have problems because we will not meditate long enough or declare long enough. We'd rather sit and watch TV at night and let that sink in and that begins to tell us who we are because when you watch something or listen to something, it begins to be part of the meditation process. So we've got to begin to realize who Jesus wants us to be because things are not getting better in the world or getting worse and if you want to stand strong in the process, of what's happening in the future, you've got to be strong in him now. So you declare it. You say, this is who I am. And say it out loud. Just begin to declare it. In, in a privacy, go someplace and just begin to declare it. This is who I am. Then you take that at the same time and you talk to Jesus about it. It's called prayer. You say, here's what your word says. I'm praying what you just said in your word. This is your truth. This is what you've said. And, you, and as you do it, I'm going to promise you this, this wonderful thing happens. What you're declaring, the, the scripture called the logos, which is the word of God. What you will get back from God is what the Greek call, Greeks call the word from God called the rhema, which is God telling you, I'm going to do this for you. The scripture says faith comes from hearing and hearing from the rhema of God. So that when you're declaring these things, saying, God, I'm declaring that this is who you are, and you're talking to him on a regular basis, you're going to hear him say, I'm doing this for you. And when that happens, your faith builds. But you don't do it alone because you walk it as a journey with other people. And you declare it together. And you talk about it together because you were never created. I was never created to walk this journey of understanding Jesus and resurrection power by myself. Never. That's why we got to do it together. You cannot make it by yourself. And if that's not enough added incentive, check this out. Who we are now is not irrelevant to who we'll be. Who we are now doesn't just cease and we're something new over there. What we do for Jesus right now, you know, the stuff that nobody sees, the prayers you pray, the things you restrict yourself from doing because Jesus said it's not healthy for you, the things you do, although it's out of your comfort level, the sacrifices you make, the, the, the people you help, when you, when you stop saying the words you want to say when you're verbally attacked because you want to attack back and, and, and you do the things that Jesus said, which is, which is turn the other cheek and, and love, your, love your enemy and, and you go through all of that, that stuff, that stuff will be woven into the new creation. It's all part of what's up there ahead of us. All we do for him now is not wasted. So I'm thinking this week about the 20 years that we've been together and asking God, how effective have we been in Erie? Then I remember how in describing our new bodies, Paul then ends with this encouragement. With all this going on for us, my dear, dear friends, stand your ground and don't hold back. Throw yourselves into the work of the master Confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. The intent there is this, that whatever you're doing for him, it's not a waste of time or effort because it is woven into what the future is for us. 
which tells me this, the best is yet ahead. And Pam and I look forward to journeying that with you. Would you stand? I want to pray a blessing over you. You may even want to take a, a, a posture of receiving. So now may your eyes be opened and may you see the intent of God for you. May you, by faith in him, understand that your sins have been forgiven and the messes in life he's cleansed and a new life he has planted in you. May you now have the courage to declare that what he has said for you will come true. May you walk in confidence. May you remain in peace. And in those moments that you feel challenged or attacked, may you stand firm declaring, this is who God has made me, and you cannot diminish that. And may we together see a community transformed by the resurrection power of Jesus working through his community of faith. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.